it's time again for stick a fork in it. Mm -hmm. And recently, this fall, we're introducing you to some programs and some things going on that you may not know about. And you're going to meet some incredible teammates, right, Ev? That's right. Yeah. They're, um, you know, like you were saying in the promo, these are people that you don't see a lot of on like our social media or, you know, in the, in the news, you, you see Matt in the news sometimes, but you know, you're yeah. going to be Katie tuning, um, who works with our programs team and her whole focus is trying to make our programs as effective as possible and break down as many barriers as possible. And she has so much experience in that from, you know, her career in social work. So you'll learn a lot about her history and what she's bringing to feeding Tampa Bay through that. Well, the really interesting thing to you guys to chime in, listen to everything, Matt mentions uh, her interview um, and that it didn't take much of a conversation to know that she was part of my team. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you ever meet Katie or if you ever need assistance, the girl glows mm -hmm. from the inside out. I think I would have been able to read her the minute she walked in a room. So I'm going to tell you right now, you're with Matt Spence once again. We do miss having him on the show. And Katie is going to tell you all about how we're going to empower our neighbors, building stability for our community. Matt, back again. Yes, you can't get rid of me now. You let me back in. I know. It's really actually too fun when you're with us. That's like the good old days and how we started. And honestly, we've got to make this a regular thing, no doubt. But the problem is <laughs> your busy life is insane at this point in your life between building a strategic plan with our teammates um, that I'm going to love to talk to you about. But you have three boys, which I've been there, done that, so I get it. So what's going on with you guys? Oh, you know, not much. This week it's just cross-country, uh, Ninja Warrior class, soccer, school football, uh, Civil Air Patrol, and fundraising for a trip to Normandy, and then youth ministry stuff. So other than that, it's kind of a normal week. Pretty light week. And that's, yeah. yeah, that's just the personal life. That's just the yeah. home. Trip, what's the trip to, what? To, trip to where? To Normandy. So my son, my oldest son is in a thing called Civil Air Patrol. It's kind of like uh, a junior ROTC. It's affiliated with the Air Force. And uh, his, he's part of the honor guard. So he's been able to go and present the flag before Rays games, lightning games, and at parades, and all sorts of cool stuff like that. And then uh, as a result, the, his squadron was invited to be the only American Civil Air Patrol representation at the 80th uh, celebration of the landing at Normandy on D-Day. Um, so wow. hopefully you know, a little good luck and a little fundraising, we'll, we'll get him over to France for a parade and some uh, laying of wreaths and, and honoring those who, who came before us to serve our country. What an honor. How old is he again? He's 16. So yeah. 16 years old. Starting to, now, will you guys be able to go or that's he's on his own with his with his. We're still kind of trying to figure that out because it's not free to fly to Normandy and spend a week in France. And, uh, you know, we we try to let him have a little bit of a little bit of space. But Paris yeah. and Normandy, that's that's a lot more space than my wife is probably comfortable with so yeah i don't know about letting my 16 year old ever unleashed on europe um, one of my, my one of my did that as an adult and i was like oh my god just left it high leave it how you found it please please yeah it, he'll be uh in uniform and representing our country though so there'll be a little added that's amazing for good behavior well congratulations on that that's huge yeah it's very cool and okay i've seen video of the ninja warrior tell yeah. us about that so that is so cool. 
right? I, I'm sure everybody's seen the TV show American Ninja Warrior. Um, my middle son is is, is very competitive. Um, he definitely doesn't get that from his father at all. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not not just yeah. No, so, I, don't, I don't see. So that. we had, had to. We were looking for ways to kind of harness that competitive aggression, and uh, a couple of the early participants in American Ninja Warrior from Pinellas County, and started a gym in their backyard and became really really popular. They ended up renting some space, creating this place called Jungle Gym Ninja. That it is, it's an amazing facility. And Luke goes there every single week and works out and does the like flying across the sky stuff and hanging from, you know, doorknobs and uh, climbing up ladders, just using his hands, you know, all that stuff. And it has been amazing for him. It's been so good to channel that boy energy and testosterone and competitiveness. Yeah, Yeah, you got to find something for him. Yeah. And and, I mean, honestly, it is. It has transformed him, given him a ton of confidence because it's like a video game where there's always something that's just a little bit above your skill level that you can work towards. And then you achieve that. And then there's another thing that's just a little bit above your skill level. So it's been fantastic for him personally. And it's really fun to watch him. Um, Also kind of scary that he can like parkour his way off of eight foot, you know, whatever. (laughs) Right. climb through fly through windows at full sprint and what you know all sorts of stuff it's it's well, i was gonna say does he take that into the neighborhood because that would be <laughs> kind of a pretty i'm not gonna lie that'd be some badassery right there like you're the kid that can scale the fence and <laughs> yeah climb up the tree with only your arms and all that fun stuff and uh it's really cool because his coach actually was uh this year's american ninja warrior uh he finished the third fastest time like made it all the way to the end was one of those guys that was on TV the whole way through, and he's wow. So, yeah, it's very cool. And the little one, soccer, soccer, we gotta, and soccer, yeah. and flag football, and <laughs> the play at school. And, oh, and, maybe an actor. Yeah, he, you have uh, extreme kids. They've got, he's got he he'll find his little extreme niche somewhere. <laughs> One's going to Normandy. The other is going to be the next American Ninja Warrior. And, and here's. Shannon, you of all people really appreciate this because youngest children are just different. And, uh, and my youngest decided that when he heard that his school was doing the Beauty and the Beast play, he wanted to be the Ottoman that became a dog because he didn't want a speaking part, but he thought that would be really fun because he'd just run around and bark like a dog and play and be super playful, which fits. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they didn't have that part in the... Beauty and the Beast Jr. So the school wrote it in for him. Yes. And they of course they, they did. They now have Sounds an audio. Like Matt Spence's son, right? <laughs> I know. He's a Spence. Of course they wrote it in. Didn't even need any convincing. They're like, wow, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Kind of like it works with you. Let him be entertaining. Yeah. So. I love it. We've been talking so much and I'm so sorry. Katie is back on the show. She's been with us briefly before, right? Got the killer poppy shirt on, looking all colorful and, colorful and bold. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be back. I popped in around the holidays for a little visit, which was nice. And I'm excited to get to talk to you all some more. You're such lights in our world, Shannon and Nev. So it's always nice when we get to talk to you. 
Well, you are too. You get, you know, you're talking about humans of the food bank and, and Matt was kind of, maybe we'll have to have him come back and help host that with us, but uh, we'll be doing it again around December, around the holiday time, just really honoring the team that we have at Feeding Tampa Bay and how unique and special every single person is and their role there. So you guys can uh, hold out for that at the end yeah. of the year, but you know, I mean, Katie, tell us, huh? I said, I'm in. That's my favorite show. All right. Either. All right. I know it is. So why not? Let's do it. You, you got it. We're going to do it. Um, so Katie, tell us a little bit about you. We now know, we always know about Spence. We just had to catch up <laughs> real quick. <laughs> tell us about you, my friend. Um, well, I am from Crystal River, Florida. So in- oh, it's beautiful there. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know how I felt about it when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a small town like that. But as an adult, I have a lot of appreciation for growing up there and what it is today. Um, I, I really love it there now. Um, so yeah, I grew up there. I uh, was raised a Florida State fan. Um, so. Yes, we're all in unison today. Yeah, and place. now the team is playing like the bosses they are. I know. I'm not going to lie. Great, it's a great time of year right now for us. Um, yes. So I went to school there, um, which was awesome. And um, I ended up jumping around a little bit, but spending most of my career in Tallahassee. But then um, I wanted to move back down here and be closer to my family. And so that's kind of how I found my way back here. When you were at Florida State, what did you go in? What did you go in as a student, like a new college student? Who did you want to be? I wanted to be you, Shannon. <laughs> I'm not oh, even, you really did it. I started NPR in communications. Ah! And yep. I just did not enjoy those classes very much. It didn't feel like me exactly. Um, I think I wanted to go that route because I liked talking to people and engaging with people, but it wasn't the right path for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just found a similar route, but one that felt right for me was social work. Yes. And I think that is the perfect spot for you. And you still get to, you're helping people directly. I kind of do it indirectly because of where I work, but you are directly um, changing your lives. Now, was there someone when you were there that that helped lead you in that direction? Or is it just a feeling as you were kind of acclimating at college, like, maybe I want to do this? Or is there a, a mentor that, that you had in your life? Um, I think kind of my original mentor is what got me that down that path, which was mm-hmm. my mom. Um, my mom was an elementary school teacher. Um, and just in the simplest way to put it, I guess she really taught me to care. Like, I think that's the main thing she taught me as a kid. She would talk to me about students you know, that we're going through hard things and to give them some grace and compassion and not, you know, hold my standards so high sometimes and things like that. Um, so just from a very young age in a very like compassionate way, she talked to me about hard things um, and to care about them. And so when I got into school, I started kind of exploring those pathways. So I volunteered at the domestic violence shelter in Tallahassee and I volunteered for the, um, 211 suicide hotline in college. Um, and so once I started doing that work, I think I really felt called to continue to do it. And that's kind of why I took my career path that way. Um, so yeah, I really say like my mom taught me to care and I became a social worker because I cared. And then 
getting to talk to people made me think you have to keep caring uh, and keep right. talking to people. That's amazing. I, I think it's so important for we have people listening to understand you don't have to go into anything having expectations, right? You have so many people who go into college. I know, Ev, you've had a, a different journey too. I'm sure, Matt, you know, you go in and you really think you're going to be one way and then you just kind of open your mind and your heart and figure out. And thankfully for you, Katie, it was like a one and a two. <laughs> I had like five. <laughs> like It was like a one and a two thing. And I think that's really great. And folks should be um, compassionate and patient with themselves, right? For sure. Oh, yeah. And I think once you get there, there's still so many paths you can take. Like, I, I'm still not where I thought it would be then when I went down that path. You know, right. so I think it's a mistake to box yourself in because I think we're all good at many things. And by mm -hmm. keeping that open, you really get to explore more of yourself and what you can do. Yeah, I, I also think that we're good at the pivot. What do you think, Matt? I think, you know, we live in an age where, you know, I don't know if it's how we were raised. I think it's from my generation up that you're just kind of ready to ready to roll this way or that. Most folks are. Not everyone. Not everyone's yeah, comfortable with that. But I feel it, like it, adaptability was really important as we were growing up. There was a lot of, yeah. you know, adjusting to different situations. It was times when families were moving a little more often than previous generations. And, you know, there was just a lot going on. And the world was changing so rapidly around mm -hmm. us. I think we were naturally more adaptable because we've had to be. You know, we right. uh, joke with our kids, like, you know, when I was in elementary school, we didn't even have a computer in the house. And then, you know, making fun of the dial-up AOL sound and mm -hmm. prodigy online CDs coming to your house and all that ridiculous stuff that we grew up with that just yep. seems so long ago. But uh, when you think about how much our world changed between uh, the time we were children and today, it's yep. adaptability is so critical. Yeah, it really, really is. I, it, you say that, and I also think about the, you know, we didn't have cell phones, or if they were, they were huge. I mean, yeah. seriously, I had a cell phone at one point that was this big. <laughs> it, you want a good two-minute comedy bit, you should hear my wife try to explain to my children what it was like to have a beeper. Oh, yeah. How oh, that, that I forgot about those. Like, the different messages and numbers had meanings for words and you know you had you got the beep but then you had to go find a phone that was yeah. attached to a wall to yep. like just yeah the world is a little oh, and pay for it and have coins on yeah. hand yeah okay so we're, we're we're rolling back katie do you know anything about these things that we're talking I do. about i do i do i do okay. not have a beeper but my sister did so I was, there you go i was tangently attached yeah. <laughs> There you go. So, you know, ad going back, adaptability is so important. So how were you led, Katie, to feeding Tampa Bay? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, so I think I, you know, I started working one-on-one -on -one with um, clients, like on a case manager level. Obviously, that's where I started my career in. Um, and I worked with a lot of different populations, actually. Like I've worked with... Um, uh, people living with HIV. I've worked with adults with developmental and intellectual disabilities. I've worked in domestic and sexual violence. So I've worked in many different areas. Um, and through those experiences, I, I, in connecting to people, I started to get really motivated to want to make programs better. Mm -hmm. um, so I, 
I really, I especially remember all of the like first clients that I've had with specific scenarios and what that has done to me as a person. Um, and I remember specifically, I was working with, um, when I was working with adults with intellectual disabilities, um, I never thought I'd be working with that population. I just needed a job after college. Um, and you know, that like other duties has a signed role that we all have in our jobs. Well, I had a real whammy the first week on this job, like not expecting it. The first week I walked into this job, I found out that I had to plan a funeral for a client that I'd never met before. Um, wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you're grown up now. You've got to do a funeral. Um, and that I think made me grow up really quickly, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, in social work, I think you're confronted with the realities of humanity and mortality a lot. Um, and so it became really important to me. And I went to probably over 25 funerals while I was there because I wow. felt like every single person there deserves someone in their, in their like service for their funeral when they die. Mm -hmm. um, so I made it a point to go to all of them, but I had a resident who died who I didn't feel like should have. Um, I feel like things could have been done to support him more. Um, and I tried everything I could to advocate for him. I was talking to his doctor and we were trying every path and I just couldn't get there. And it really devastated me. And I remember like I drove a couple counties over to see him when he was in hospice. Um, and I remember like holding his hand and the look in his eyes to this day, because he was nonverbal. Oh we could do is communicate through our eyes. Um, and I was yeah. just like trying to make sure he knew someone loved him, and, like give him that connection. And that I felt so powerless. Um, and I never wanted both, you know, my clients or social workers to feel that feeling. And so I wanted to make sure I could work at programs to keep making them better. Um, right. And so that's kind of why I've taken my career into this like program design and development mm -hmm. aspect where I'm really trying to bridge neighbors, clients, what have you to the programming and enhance the experiences of both. Um, mm -hmm. And so I saw Feeney Tampa Bay. I, I never thought I would do food banking, but I loved the mission. I loved the values. I thought I could probably make this work. Um, and then I got in and I was really able to find a cool path. I was able to connect with it in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, I think being Tampa Bay really actually carries many of the core founding values of the social work profession and the work that, you know, Jane Adams, who's the founder of social work really started. So I felt really rooted and connected to my field when I was kind of burnt out looking for something new, it kind of reinvigorated me. So first of all, your mom did an incredible job. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. The um, second part is, you know, that story that you explained that I just have to say that you gave that gentleman the greatest gift to have someone with him and to care for him. You know, even if it's looking through somebody's eyes and we are so fortunate to have you. Um, that is a story that I didn't know. I'm, I'm very moved by that. And I, I'm very glad that that led you to our world. And now you are, um, the Empowerment Services Assistant Director. So now going from holding someone's hand really towards the end of their life on a number of occasions, now you're lifting people up, right? Oh, yeah. 
Definitely. So what's the absolute favorite part of your job right now? I mean, I love, I think what gets me going creatively is enhancing these programs and keep making them better to support our neighbors. But still like connecting with our neighbors is the thing that I love the most. And I actually say getting to talk to our neighbors is what makes me believe in humanity. <laughs> Not mm -hmm. necessarily like, you know, all the other stuff that feeds into our work that gets us going and supports us. It's the people themselves that we're helping. Um, because if you get the privilege to talk to someone one-on-one -on -one and like really get to talk to them, there's so much good in people. Um, you might put them in a box or, or have this pre preconceived judgment. When you mm -hmm. really get to talk to people, there's so much good in them. And it makes me believe that things can happen for people, that change can happen, that these people deserve change in their life. And it's worth continuing to fight for that. Right. And they have someone to believe in them, to take the time. Right. So but that's, that's where, you know, it's yeah. not false belief either. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. important. Like you can say that you need to believe in people, um, but you have to actually believe in them. And it doesn't mean that you believe they're going to achieve what they want tomorrow, but it means that you believe they can achieve it, you know? And I think you have to have that perspective to be in this field. So Matt, you know, we often say more than a meal. We've moved into more than a meal. We are a food bank, but we're so much more. Um, Katie being part of our team is a big part of that. Um, having someone with her experience and uh, compassion, understanding, patience. <laughs> uh, someone who adapts to any situation that she's given to. So explain what more than a meal means to us. How did that come to our work? So you're absolutely right. Katie embodies the the transition, the growth of our organization, right? What mm -hmm. Who we want to be is, you know, we want our organization to exhibit the same ethos that, that Katie just shared, right? We want mm -hmm. people to know that when they walk through the door, someone here loves them, sees right. them, cares for them, and is going to help them achieve their dreams. And there's a lot that we have to do to get to that point. But the first and most important thing is building that culture. And, you know, we've, we've really moved a long way organizationally, both, I think, by hiring people like Katie, but also the people who have been here a long time jump right in and feel the yeah. same way. And you cannot last in this work if you don't have that. If you don't. Yeah. And I, just to add to that, Matt, I have to say, like, being in Tampa Bay was one of the most welcoming environments I ever walked into to work. <laughs> like when I first started here with, you know, the people that have been here, I think when you talk to the, the real FTB food bankers, like you just feel that, yeah. you know, that connection to our mission, no matter who you talk to. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, you know, it, it actually, it highlights what Shannon's asking about more than a meal, because we have this scoreboard in our volunteer area. It's a raised scoreboard and it has a really big number on it, right? I think we're approaching 800 million meals that we have provided in the history of our organization. That is an incredible number. And every one of those meals mattered, right? They nourished someone who needed it, who had the courage to step out and say, I can't do this on my own. Can you help? And mm -hmm. somebody connected with Feeding Tampa Bay said yes, made sure that meal was there. And that is incredibly important. We will 
never downplay that. And, no but, and it is really clear to us that 800 million year meals later, hunger and food insecurity has not gone down in our community. And so that really, if you're the type of person that Katie is, the type of person that the three of us are, that hurts, right? Yeah. And, and it challenges us to be better and to do more because we know that meal is an emergency response. It is a Band-Aid on a symptom, and it is not the underlying cause. Food insecurity does not exist in a vacuum. You know, and and so with a lot of courage, now six, seven years ago, Thomas and the leadership of the food bank started to say, we have to do more. We have to work to end hunger. We have to be more than a meal. And, you know, you've seen that in the last seven years. We've had the opportunity, people like Katie coming on board, building out really incredible uh, connections with our neighbors that say, yes, we're going to feed you because you need that. But we're also going to walk with you to build social skills and employability skills and hard skills. We're going to connect you with an employer who will pay you a living wage and offer you opportunity for advancement. If you need housing assistance, we're not just going to say the housing authority is over there. We're going to call up our friend Dexter at the housing authority and say, hey, get us in, please. Right? Right. I have someone in front of me who matters, who needs your help. And, and that's really what it is, right? That's the, the more than a meal ethos that we have is the person in front of us matters. And we know that providing a meal will help them for six hours. And we feel a responsibility to help them for a whole lot longer than that, to empower them to help themselves. Well, Matt, with the the way you're speaking, um, I just really quickly want to take just a moment to prop up our leadership team. Um, A lot of the changes that have come across, a lot of the future that will be going on with Feeding Tampa Bay is a um, caring, compassionate, forward-thinking, understanding, speak your truth. All of those things is what that leadership team trickles down to the directors, the managers, the employees, you know, for everyone that's involved at Feeding Tampa Bay. So thank you for that. Um, You know, and explaining more than a meal, but Katie, what is it that um, you do? What is it that you offer? Can you paint the scenario of what it's like uh, to work within your program if I was a guest at Trinity Cafe? Yeah, and I think it's important to understand too that the journey of our organization really mirrors the journey of many of the people that come to us asking for more than a meal. Um, there's a lot of steps that it takes to get back on your feet if you've fallen on mm-hmm. hard times. It's it's not as easy as just walking into a job and getting a new salary and then all the things are fixed in your life, right? And so we're not going to be able to do everything that we dream about tomorrow, but as long as we keep working on it, we'll keep yeah there and keep making progress and keep, you know, advancing what we can do for people. And I think that's the same thing when we're working with our neighbors to try to help them connect to things is understanding, like, we got to take this step by step. You know, I understand that you're in a hard situation and I'm not expecting you 
to conquer this list of goals that everybody says you're supposed to meet to get back on your feet tomorrow. But like, let's start at ground zero and keep working our way up to achieve those things, you know? So if it's something as simple uh, as, you know, I need to get a job. Well, okay. Do you have an ID? No. Okay. Well, what do we need to do to get you an ID? We may need to go to, you know, social security office, or we may, might need to call the state of Michigan to get a birth certificate. And, you know, that can take a day, that can take a month just to get an ID to even apply for a job, to get on a job, you know, and that's not talking about a state of housing or, you know, transportation and all that, right? So there's just so many steps involved. So Mm -hmm. I think it's about being compassionate to the circumstances that someone is in and being with them on every step of the journey and continuing to show that you're in the journey with them. So when they're in that journey, I know we we often say that we connect folks to services. Like you're talking about really from the ground up when you're talking about making sure someone has an ID to get a job, but there's also other organizations that you work hand in hand with Matt mentioned calling someone out by name, you know, from housing. Who are those partners that we engage with most of all? There's so many. I mean, because we have a 10 county region, right? So, you know, I think, you know, Family Health Care Foundation, you work with a ton to try to get people some affordable health insurance. And I have to say, like, we are very lucky with a few of our counties like Hillsborough and Pinellas County and Polk County, where we have you know, county health plans we can get people on to get them services that they need. Um, We work with um, the different, you know, homeless and housing coalitions in all of the counties. We work with, you know, um, the Spring of Tampa Bay, the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay, Grace Point. Um, I was just on the phone with CASA, the domestic violence shelter in Citrus County this morning, trying to enhance our partnership. Um, and get resources out there. So pretty much any agency that wants to help people in the community, we want to work with them together to try to support our neighbors. And you know what? And you continue to build those relationships. Like it's it's kind of a never ending, I don't know, I'm going to go with Bible yeah. uh, for that. You know, it just never stops because there's so much out there and so many people who really want to help. It's just so overwhelming. I would imagine for that one person who's sitting there struggling to pay bills, struggling with housing, struggling with all the things to know that somebody's in their corner. Um, one thing that we also do is we um, help folks apply for SNAP. Yeah. SNAP um, because it empowers people to make their own choices and gives them additional resources, right? Like we have amazing agency partners and amazing amazing mobile distributions and all of these things where we promote client choice and give people good quality food. But there's nothing like being able to go to a grocery store and pick out what you want for yourself. Right. Right. So that's why it's such a huge emphasis of of ours as an agency to try to get people connected to to SNAP benefits. And we um just keep growing every year with the amount of SNAP applications we're able to do. I think, you know, we're getting more embedded in all of our counties in our community. Um, and so across all 10 counties, we are getting people enrolled in SNAP and growing every year. 
And I think the important thing to know is, you know, I'm doing something for, for my mom who has dementia. That application process is daunting. Like if you're struggling already and you think that, you know, SNAP might be for you, you open that up and it's like, oh, and you make one mistake and you have to start all over again. So we do offer that kind of counseling. We don't approve it, you know, which I've had for media reasons. I've had to say many a times, but you do, we do help folks through that process, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I think we wish we could approve it and we wish we could do all yeah. of those things for people. Um, but yeah, that's what we're there for. It's kind of like, you know, when you're scrolling through Netflix and you don't know what you want to watch because there's too many options. Um, oh. You know, if you're going through a hard time and there's all these options, it's hard to know where to start sometimes. So we try to be that piece where we can simplify the options for people mm -hmm. and let them then choose their path with a little bit more clarity. Again, giving them the opportunity to choose. So what challenges, you know, we're moving into a new year, we're moving into a strategic plan that Matt's going to tell us about in a few minutes, but what challenges do you see? What improvements do you see in the future for empowerment? I mean, I think the, the biggest challenge right now is the cost of living. I think, you know, even all of us on this call feel it, not even talking yeah. to our neighbors, right? So, right. Um, and there's not a whole lot that we have the power to do about that. So right. I think it's just continuing to invest in our community and our partners and hopefully, you know, keep that reciprocal relationship going so we can keep um, evolving what we can do for people. I think, you know, it's really amazing working under, you know, Thomas, who has this vision of building this great community and trusted system. And I think that keeps you going, that you're hopeful that we'll keep getting there, right? Mm -hmm. But it's just a big challenge. There's not enough resources out there to help people um, that need it. And so I think it's just being committed to keep showing up every day because there will be something. I mean, I think Fresh Force, um, which is tied to our empowerment services, is one of the best programs that we have for that. Um, to get people, give people kind of a second chance to have a career path that's sustainable, um, at least get them in the door where they might have had a door closed in their face before, um, and support them along the way to getting the training that they need and getting hired in the job and, and then, you know, get on that path to self-sustainability. So mm -hmm. I really see Fresh Force being the heart of a lot of where our programming goes moving forward um, because that's really what we need to be able to combat the cost of living challenges that we're facing. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, Matt, that's a, that's all underneath you as uh, programs, <laughs> chief programs officer, speaking of fresh force, I know that's a baby you're really proud of too, uh, which we have a cohort going on right now. It's so great to see all the, all the, the, uh, students in their um shirts so we know who you know we know who they are so we know to go up to them and tell them welcome and and envelope them in kindness they're part of our family while they're with us during their training but yeah, i'm going to jump forward just a little bit you know matt last time you were on the show with us just a month ago you uh have a term that you like to use that we're moving forward and strategically which these empowerment opportunities will help do that um, between what Katie does, boots on the ground, 
you know, having the patience to the patience and the compassion to be able to just lead people to stability, right? Tell us about our new strategic plan and that really cool phrase you came up with. So I think the phrase you're talking about is exit velocity. Uh, yeah. And the, the concept behind that, I think Katie illustrated really well when she shared some of the challenges that our neighbors face. And it's, it's never a single thing, right? You know, in order to get an ID, you need a birth certificate. In order to get a job, you need an ID. In yes. order to get a paycheck, you need a job. In order to get a uh, bank, you know, you, you need the bank account to cash your paycheck. And it just goes on and on. Right. So many challenges. And uh, so often our neighbors are either mired in or emerging from serious trauma. And poverty itself can be traumatizing. You know, whatever it was that led them to the place to raise their hand and say, I need help was probably pretty traumatic. And that is really, really draining on all your internal resources. You know, we all have things that fill our cups, right? We have things that, that reinvigorate us and build us back up. And those things get drained from people who just continue to have doors slammed into faces. And so we need to think beyond the meal for the day or the one service that we can connect to. We need to be thinking about what is the set of activities, partnerships, collaborations, pathways that need to be in place so that someone who comes to us who's had the courage to say, I need help, I need a meal, can then move towards stability, move towards prosperity. Uh, right. That's kind of the, the underlying thinking behind the concept of exit velocity. And the way that we're building a strategic plan to get there really lays on four pillars. Uh, and my favorite thing about the team that put all of this together, we've had 30 plus staff members and most of our board and dozens of members of the community, we've read hundreds of pieces of research and done all of this background work to get to where we are. And the team that really helped us kind of finalize our strategic direction just last week presented to our board of directors who overwhelmingly approved uh, moving this way. The thing that we did that I really love is that for each of the areas in which we want to move our work forward, we created what we call a North Star. That North Star is the way that we know we're on the right path. So if we are creating empowered, healthy, thriving neighbors and a trustworthy system, then we've done our job. And so there are four really important words there, each of them tied to one of the pillars of our strategic plan. Empowered, you know, the work that we do to empower our neighbors financially, to empower our neighbors um, in all sorts of ways with information, with opportunity, you know, it's creating economic opportunity for health, the, the way we nourish our community through providing not just food, but good food, healthy food, appropriate food, culturally responsive food, in the right time, in the right place, for the right price. You know, that is nourishing our community. It's another one of our pillars. And then it all starts 
with centering our work on our neighbor. Because we can't design their future for them. We can walk with them, but Mm -hmm. it can't be what we want for them. You know, Katie spends a lot of her time and energy and and her amazing gifts in this space helping people dream and, and build hope and build a brighter future for themselves and then reminding them they can get there and then walking there with them. And so that starting with the neighbor and not saying, okay, here's our solution in a box. You get box one, next person gets box two. You only have- Right, here's the pamphlet, go, best to you. Here's our solution, I hope it fits. Right. We can't do it that way. And so we have to understand where our neighbors are coming from. It all starts there. And then in order for all of that that we just talked about to work, it has to be built upon a trustworthy system. We can't send somebody that came to us who needs our help to another partner if we can't trust that that partner is going to fulfill the promise, if that partner is going to be able to support that neighbor. And it's our duty to make sure we're sending them to the right place or to bring in the right response to our new facility. So we have to work together better whether that's government, whether that's our corporate partners, whether that's other nonprofits, there are 20,000 nonprofits in our service area. Mm -hmm. There are resources. There are not enough, but there are resources and there are pathways. But we haven't earned the trust of our neighbors by delivering those promises and putting those resources in a time and place where they're useful. So we have to do that work. That's business to business, nonprofit to nonprofit, fixing what's broken about our system so that all of those other great ideas can actually create exit velocity because you can successfully navigate. So that's where we're headed, right? Mm-hmm. Empowered, healthy, and uh, thriving neighbors and a trustworthy system. So we're heading into this new strategic plan, but we also are heading into this new facility. So you talk about respecting and starting with that neighbor who first comes to us for food, but we know if somebody is in need of food, there's a whole lot more going on. Matt, describe what the experience will be for those neighbors going into this new facility versus how it is for us now. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. And I think that there are two things that we decided at the very beginning of the building process that speak to who we are as an organization, who our leadership is, how we are approaching this. Number one, everything that faces the road, the front door of our new space is for our neighbors. Our staff is going to have to drive around the side and park in the back and walk in through the side. But if a neighbor needs us, they're coming in the front door. We're greeting them right there with a smile at Katie's and a warm hand and an an offer for uh, assistance. So that I think is really, really critical to note. And the other thing is we could have built a really big warehouse and moved a lot of food. And we will have a very big warehouse that will move Mm -hmm. a lot of food. But that's not all that facility will do. The facility is designed intentionally 
to make a difference for someone who walks through the door. Because yes, you can go shop in our new Publix community market and pick up a bag of groceries. But you know what? Why don't you wait a minute and first go over to our new Trinity Cafe, have a meal, then go see Katie and her team who are going to connect you with services. And then on the way out the door, pick up a couple days of groceries to bring home to your family. Right, All of those things are going to be present. And my favorite part about it, Shannon, is that our space is not for us. Because Feeding Tampa Bay doesn't and can't do it all. And so a couple of weeks ago, we brought together a bunch of nonprofit leaders in the area. And we said, here's our vision. We want you to buy in. And we want you to buy in physically by being here with us. Have team members on site. Let the professionals be the ones to drive so that the guest who needs us can walk from one doorway to the right to the one right next door to receive services. And my favorite thing about that conversation is it was absolutely universal. Everybody in the room acknowledged that we are often the barrier. <laughs> Not we feeding Tampa Bay, but we the system often right. create barriers, right? And that we need to be a solution. And everybody in the room is trying to figure out how they can pitch in, what part they'll have to play, what staff they want to bring along, what services they can provide on site, how they can best connect to support the neighbor who walks through our front door and says, I need help. So I love that. I'm really, really excited for it. There's an 11,000 square foot kitchen where we're going to cook a whole bunch of food. That's pretty exciting too, because we can do a whole lot with that. Um, and of course, we will have a huge warehouse where we will invite all of Tampa Bay to come and volunteer and help us sort and package and you know reposition food and get it ready to go back out to the community because we need 75,000 volunteers to make it happen. So all of those things all in one place is very, very exciting. And every time I drive down Causeway Boulevard and see another giant panel go up or the roof on or the mm -hmm. you know steel beam trusses are in now and they're starting to pour the stairs to the second floor all of that stuff is just so incredibly exciting for us because i feel the difference that this new space will have in the ways in which we can reach our neighbors we can't do what we need to do where we are today it's not possible with our space limitations with the, the location and the challenges that we have, we can't do what needs to be done. So we're building for the future. Right. I, th I think we've done our best, but the one thing reflecting on the way you're saying, the way, you know, folks who need us will be entering our building. It's a word that we really haven't, hasn't come up in this conversation yet, but it's really kind of a core value of all of us. And I learned this at Trinity Cafe's dignity. Yes. All of us crave to experience, have a dignified experience, to be treated as equals, no matter if you are have a home or if you don't. That's something years ago that I learned from Trinity Cafe when sitting at a table with someone was they were really just like me. Their circumstances were different. Yeah. And to have that. somebody listen to you or to be able to walk up to a building instead of going into one door and feeling uncomfortable, you will go into doorways knowing what is there for you. Um, just the thinking and the planning. I, I, I'm so excited. I'm, as I'm saying it, I'm like getting chills and Evan and I are really fortunate to 
do these great little videos about how the building is coming along and Ev captures all the things. You can go to our social and see what this building now looks like. There's this gorgeous video that made everybody a little weepy in the meeting the other day. But I mean, we're just, uh, as a team, we're really all on the same page. And I don't know about you guys, but that just makes getting up in the morning a really good thing, right? Like you've got a purpose. Things are so well thought out. And everything is, we, we do this together. Our leadership keeps us informed. So no matter where you are in the organization, what you guys are hearing on the show today, we've already been told that way ahead of time. Down to Matt, when he's challenged with, with you know, focusing on a new strategic plan, he brings in all of the folks, builds a team of 30 and asks questions and not just assumes things. There's just so much thought going into what will happen in the spring. It's not just a building. It's so much more. And I was at the 5 a.m. drivers all staff meeting this morning to share our strategic plan with them too, because See? they're on the road at two o'clock when we're trying to get everybody together. We have a second all staff uh, opportunity for our drivers mm -hmm. to be there. And I was, you know, maybe in some pajama pants and a feeding Tampa Bay hat, but I was there and, <laughs> yep. and sharing our strategic plan. <laughs> That's amazing. I think our drivers are some of the most wonderful advocates for our work. They're 100%. so connected with our partners. They're so proud. So often uh, we have these gorgeous trucks, first of all, uh, that our marketing team has put together. And of course, sponsors have helped us with. But so many people send me pictures on social and tag me in them because they see our drivers out on the road doing what we do. Um, I, the first step are, of what we do. They are the face of Phoebe Tampa Bay. They really yeah, are. They're the way to think. But that and the warehouse team, like we can't do what we do. It really takes all of us, but there's pe things that people don't think about when you think food bank. Yeah. Like, how does it get there? How does it get organized? Besides volunteers, we've got this incredible warehouse team that if you haven't been there, when they are driving those forklifts, it looks like mayhem, <laughs> but they got it down. <laughs> At certain times of the day, right? It's great. Ev has a video for that too. I would say it's kind <laughs> of like a ballet, but uh, one that could crush your feet. So you got to be careful. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. For sure. So I want to thank you both for being here. I know Matt has soccer to go to. Um, Katie, thank you so much for taking your time. I just am so thrilled that you're a part of our team and enjoy you so much anytime we talk or that I see you. But there's always a way that we close out the show. And it's often asking that guest uh, to invite folks to the table. But when it's us, inner circle, let's build a table. So Matt, you have one person to bring to the table and a dish. Who are you bringing and what's the dish? Hold on. Hold on. That's not the question you sent me to prepare for. <laughs> so I have an even better answer for you, Shin. Okay, because I was going to say adapt, Spence. Come on. That's what we do. <laughs> there's one thing the four of us share, and that's the love of Florida State football. <laughs> so okay. if Katie had the job in like the first seven seconds of her interview, as you could tell from talking to her. But the she thing walked that really in, I would have been like, yes. <laughs> the, the thing that really sealed it and, and bonds us together is our, our love of the Knowles. And I know you guys are yes. right there with us. So mm -hmm. here's what I'm thinking okay. for our meal at the okay. Nutrity Cafe. I called out our buddy Dexter Jackson earlier, mostly because I had, barbecue with him yesterday uh, but dexter who works for the tampa housing authority has a giant super bowl mvp ring 
its finger and is a Florida State legend. Yeah. But beyond that, there are some other Florida State legends in this community who also care deeply about our community. You know, three Florida State football player graduates have won the NFL Man of the Year. So we're going to invite them too. So Warwick Dunn, Derek Brooks, Anquan Bolden, and Dexter Jackson are going to join the four of us because no table at the new Trinity Cafe is going to seat less than six people. That's awesome. No table. That is awesome. You are not. We can we can share a table with legends. I think we could <laughs> consider that table. With yeah, them. I mean, we were definitely going in a different direction, but I'm down. I'm game, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to hear those stories. Right. And I'm the- wearing my jersey. <laughs> I don't know. Can we get Guthrie's shipped in for us to have for lunch? Oh yeah. Oh, there's a Guthrie's that. in Tampa now. Oh wow. So. What? Mm-hmm. All right. That's and awesome. where? Even better, Shannon. If you were a Gordo's fan, there is a restaurant in Oldsmar that has the exact same menu. It's called Cuban Breezes. Has my favorite sandwich, the Medianoche, which is just a Cuban on sweet bread, and it has the seasoned fries, just like Gordo's. So we can bring a little piece of Tallahassee over. Oh, and I've already I know told Chef, Chef. I know Chef is dreaming of making the best Cuban sandwich in Tampa. So yep. <laughs> we and might be able to provide him, it ourselves. <laughs> we need to have a medianoche right next to it. And that's Gordo's, t- Tallahassee Gordo's style. Uh, <laughs> you can pick one up with our friends at, at Cuban Breezes up in Oldsmar. But we're going to make Chef, we're going to challenge Chef to see if he can make a better one. There we go. First, we've got to take him out to lunch. So how about that? Yeah. Just yeah. added him That'll to our work. table. We all need to meet at Cuban Breezes, which actually, Evan and I have been there with you, haven't I? Haven't we? Yeah, the one time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have. Uh, okay, so I'm I'm, I'm down. I'm down yeah. with the plan. I'm down with the shift. <laughs> and we got to make it a real lunch with Chef and take him over there and be like, all right. Yeah. Right. Read this. Here you go. You will. Here's your challenge. <laughs> Here's your challenge. You guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Stick a Fork in It. Uh, we're really this fall going to enjoy uh, sharing our work that isn't out in, in the community, isn't doesn't have some PR thing behind it quite yet. Um, <laughs> so we want to let you know the amazing people that we work with and the amazing things that we're going to do in the future. Uh, until next time, make sure you listen in to Stick a Fork in It. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok at Feeding Tampa Bay. <laughs>